The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, principal at Top Sale Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending the woman. Well, today we're continuing our six-part series that looks back at purse strings over the last 10 years we've been on the air. That's right, 10 years, hard to believe. Oh my gosh, it just feels like yesterday that we started this show. It is the longest running marketing to women show still on the air today, and we're so grateful to have so many of you, our fans, still listening after all these years. And some of you have grown up listening to purse strings. I know I have many collegiate listeners out there, and hopefully it's helped you as you've developed your plan for the future and moved into the workplace. I certainly hope so. For those of you who are newer to the show, this series should be putting in perspective how far the world of marketing to women has come in the past decade. And as the old saying goes, we've come a long way, baby. We got a long way to go, but we have come a long way. For those of you who listen to Purse Strings, you know I love speaking with authors. Well, Richard Watson, the author of What's Next, he came on Purse Strings to talk about global trends and how the digital age is changing. Richard is a future strategist who helps organizations to think ahead and with a particular focus on strategic foresight. Digital is a fast-moving discipline, as we all know, and Richard talks about the energy required to keep up with it. Uh, Richard, you've been looking at really where we're going in the next five years. Technology, of course, you you just talked about what's emerging and and where you think we're going with robotics and the internet. And I love how you talk about the internet having short pants right now, which is really true. I think we've just really begun to tap the power of the intranet. And I'm curious, um, and I know through your books you talk about this, what do you think society's ability is to kind of cope with this continual change in technology isn't it kind of tapping all of our our mental power just to kind of keep up um hard to say i mean the the first thing would be that i question whether the level of change is really new and this is a a point well made by a guy called uh bob thick and sticker in his book called future hype now i i think it is new and we it is an era of a really rapid change but we we do need to sort of dig into that a little bit if it is true that that we're living through an era of almost unprecedented change then i I would suggest we look at another book which is alvin toffler's future shock which came out around 1972 and he he essentially was saying that one of the results of very rapid technological change was was sort of mental conditions and and anxiety and funnily enough if if you look at some of the numbers and some of the prescriptions um that that are being sort of sent out at the moment that there does seem to be an issue emerging with mental health and this might be related to this also, I know you you had alluded to this earlier that the ability just to interact face to face or even over the phone may be dying out. And you even mentioned the email, even though it's not saturated yet, it is slowly dying. Do you see the use of phone, the use of email, uh, even face to face conversation, truly ever going away? 
Um, well, that sort of digs into a very interesting question is, is whether human nature can change. And a lot of people assume it's fixed, but I think there is the possibility that, that human nature is actually fluid. I mean, it's been fixed for so long because the external environment's been relatively stable and fixed. But if the external environment is changing rapidly, then our minds might change as well. And generationally, you certainly see this. But again, I think you have to think over the longer term and think in cycles. I mean, we've been through a phase of, of collecting hundreds, if not thousands, of friends and then sort of feeling rather disappointed and getting rid of them again and unfriending people. So these things tend to come in waves. And I think the more or the faster and, and more digital and more virtual the future gets, the more interest there'll be in slowing things down, physical contact and so on and so forth. Do you think there's just some tenements to society that need to stay in place in order for us to be a fruitful and progressive and humane society, though, that no matter what changes around us, there's just some certain things that cannot change or we're going to be in a world of trouble? I, I don't know. I, w- I would hope so. Um, <laughs> and I, I think... I think shared values would, would appear to me to be quite important, but it's, it's extremely hard to say, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. As you look into your crystal ball, and, and I know I'm asking you to look quite a bit in the future, up to, you know, say five to ten years from now, what do you think the world is going to look like? You've alluded to, to it a little bit, but I'm curious, do you have it kind of crystallized in your mind as where you think we're going to be going? Well, I, I can't really give you a singular future because I don't actually believe in them. I think the, the only thing you can say with any degree of certainty about the future is that it's uncertain, and, and therefore there must be a number of alternatives, a number of ways that the, the, the future can unfold. Um, I can give you four, if you like. Um, there's a sort of scenario which I call moreism, which is, is kind of what we're familiar with. It's, it's globalization, free markets, individualism, consumerism, and, and probably more than a pinch of narcissism as well. And I think that's where we were prior to about 2008, and, and some regions still are sort of a bit like that. Um, there's a scenario which is a sort of polar opposite of that, which is called enoughism, and it's much more local, slightly regulated, very sustainable green, a little bit more, more balanced. And, and if, I mean, if moreism is driven by greed, then enoughism is essentially driven by altruism. Um, there's a scenario called smart planet, which is where we essentially believe in the power of science and technology to solve any problems coming our way. So, you know, we will solve climate change, um, peak oil, etc., with smart ideas. So this is the sort of the classic Silicon Valley future. You know, it's very fast, virtual, digital, and I suppose driven fundamentally by our imagination, um, our ingenuity. And then we've got a, a fourth scenario, a fourth possibility, a fourth future, if you like, which I've called personal fortress, which is really around collapse, actually. It's hugely protectionist, hugely regulated, and I suppose that the fundamental driver of that world is, is either fear or anxiety, and that's obviously the one we don't particularly want to, uh, to embrace. Um, but, yeah, picking sort of one future is, is extraordinarily difficult beyond saying it will be different and it will be uncertain. I mean, I suppose a lot of people would say that it's going to be very fast, sort of silver-colored and use a lot of batteries, and I think that's quite possible. But, again, it's, that's merely one scenario. Right. It could be amalgamation of all of those four as well. The fear yeah, part I, is, I is a bit also, concerning. You know, it, it, we're slightly falling into the trap here of assuming that everyone experiences the future in the same way. I mean, I don't think we, we even experience the present in the same way, or, and we interpret the past in different ways. So the future will be entirely different, I suspect, for different people according to how old they are, what they do for a living, where they live, how much money they've got, and, and so on and so forth. Although one would expect there are some sort of commonalities there as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
Exactly. Well, Richard, our time, unfortunately, has, has come to an end, but I do want to direct people to learn more about you and and all the, the great work that you're doing in the future, <laughs> not just in the future, but now, about the future. Now and next.com. Is that the best place for people to go? That's the best place to start, absolutely. Fabulous. Richard, thank you so much for making yourself available to us today on this very special show. Her Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Book lovers and hundreds of compelling contemporary authors are heading to Miami for the 34th Annual Miami Book Fair, Friday, November 17th through Sunday, November 19th. See in person amazing authors, including Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Al Franken, Russell Banks, Michael Eric Dyson, Armistead Malpin, Angela J. Davis, Scott Turo, Walter Isaacson, and many more. The 34th Annual Miami Book Fair. For more information, visit MiamiBookFair.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. I talked the next big digital thing with Robin Raskin, president and founder, Living in Digital Times. She discusses the evolution of digital interaction with parents and their kids and the critical touch points in our everyday lives. I mean, what you said in 1980, fast forward to 2013, and women are the most connected, surely the most connected of all of all people right now. We know mobile you know, we can't go anywhere without our with our phones and women are using mobile in ways that, you know, a few years ago were never heard of. Uh, Facebook is everywhere. We know how huge that is. Twitter's exploded. And even their kids. I mean, our kids are connected to technology. It's, it's an extension of ourselves. So are you finding now, I mean, now that we've kind of come 30 years into the future, that there are really incredibly relevant tools or apps uh, that maybe are, are kind of above the rest of all the other things that we find ourselves connected to today? Yeah. Well, I think it's sort of like learned behaviors, you know. Um, so if you think about you used to want to look something up, you went to a printed encyclopedia. Now you you go to Google. But you're learning new behaviors, and oftentimes I do learn them from my own kids. You know, I say, 
see, I really like that dress. Well, take a picture of it, Mom, and then we'll go home and see if we can find it, you know. <laughs> or I wish it had this instead. Um, learning to store things in my Pinterest to take a look at, you know, so when I have ideas to redo a room. Um, so making part of it is changing your behavior and it's like, oh, why didn't I think of this sooner? We live in Manhattan, parked the car on the street, never remember where we parked it. I have a Find My Car app now that mm-hmm. geolocates when I park it and tells me you know, where the car is parked. Um, it's like a life changer. But you don't know that aha moment until you think about it. Your kids can't come home for the holidays. We put a lap at the table at their place setting and just Skype them in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So um, my parents are getting older, and so I watch a lot of what they do remotely. I take care of their Netflix, for example, by order, keeping their list fresh. Um, and, you know, a lot of their troubleshooting on their computers. So this thing that really was the tipping point was when computers moved from speeds and feeds and how fast to the style and utility and the cloud you know, storing information up on in the um, internet where you can control things remotely. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at things that give women peace of mind, like your cell phone can monitor your home, mm-hmm. it can unlock your door or lock your door now, you know, with the right hardware. So we're moving to this world, we call it the Internet of Things world. Want to dim your lights for mood lighting? Want to control your home alarm system? Want to have a mo- want to know where your kids are and have your own private network? These are all possible. There's a great app called uh, Life 360 that will geolocate just your family, and not that you're spying on them, but you want to know they got to where they're going. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's a, a great tool. It's not without its downsides, though, right? <laughs> oh, everything has its downsides. But I think in this case, the upsides are so much more significant. And I, I know there's so many things that I use today that I can't imagine not, not having had in my life before I became aware of it. But at the same time, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. And I'm curious, are you finding that women are experiencing kind of that tech overload and that maybe they're – yeah, they'll try a technology, and if it's not working great for them, they'll just drop it because they don't need another tool or another app in their repertoire. Yeah, there comes a point of I guess it's diminishing returns, and you know we're 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 getting there. I mean, you just saw the iPhone announcement this week, and everybody mm-hmm. said sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, "Yeah, it's better, but I'm not rushing out to uh, mm-hmm. go get a better camera because." which you post on Facebook can only have so many megapixels in the picture to begin with, so who cares? Um, so you're seeing, you know, a bit of that, um, and I think especially in the United States, you know, the growth is mature now, these systems are mature, and you don't rush out to buy the latest and greatest as fast because is what I call the learning curve. It's at least a weekend to install and then probably three weeks to get comfortable with whatever it is you mm-hmm. bought. <laughs> right. And, and that's a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, for people who do other things in their lives. Um, and, um, you know, it's... Um, so there, there is an overload, but you do have your basic toolkits and they will continue to improve. And, I, you know, we used to see every two years you should get a new piece of hardware. I think it's about every year now that you want the next phone, you know, if you really want to stay current on 
on the the feature set, and the feature set does get better and better, and it's there's that's what's probably the most amazing thing now. You know, I have an old mm-hmm. Xbox. I know I've got to get the new one um, mm-hmm. because it does so much more now than my last one did. And but you know, it lasted me three years, four years, and that was pretty good. So I think you have to look at each piece, but I think what you're going to see this year for um, women in particular are um, home automation devices, um, which are, um, you know, keys and locks. Um, You're going to see a lot of in-car systems because I think women in particular need to feel safe in their car and you know, the sinks from Ford and the, you know, the um, OnStar and systems like that really give you a sense of comfort as well as entertainment and knowing where you're going. Uh, so um, I think women have always had a problem with their entertainment part of their life. You know, I call it man cave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy always wants this hung up television set with speakers all around and, and women are looking for design. And you're going to see a lot of um, a lot of wireless things coming. Having no wires, you know, we laugh. We say we're wireless, but really, you've got plugs everywhere, and you know. <laughs> um, so you're going to see a lot of new products, really talking to women about um, design and functionality, and really trying to hone in on making their lives simpler. They're not getting it perfect yet, but they're really, really trying hard. Her Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Rutan. One of my all-time favorite interviews was with Andrea Phillips. She's an award-winning transmedia writer, game designer, and author. She's worked on projects such as the iOS fitness game Zombies Run and The Walk and Master's Path for HBO's Game of Thrones, Human Rights Game America in 2014, and the independent commercial Arg 
perplexed city. But I spoke with her about her more traditional written work, such as her serial, The Daring Adventures of Captain Lucy Smokehart, and The McKinnon Accountant, a short story that unfolds in your email inbox. We talked about her debut novel, Revision, and how prolific her writing truly It's It's funny, actually. I started writing the book originally um, to explain to myself on my blog what I was doing to try and take the things that I knew from instinct into intent so I could consciously use those tools. And it turns out other people could use those tools also. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's somewhat intuitive to your point, I think. Um, and you talk about your blog. Now, your blog is on your website. Do you want to tell people a little bit about that website? <laughs> my, my website is Deus Ex Machinatio, which is a pun in Latin, but you get to the same place if you just go to andreaphillips.com. So I recommend you do that one instead. And also, there's a little bit of a, a naughty word in the middle of my main URL, Deus Ex. Um, so some some sites some 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 workplaces block my website. <laughs> but I am here to say you can get to the site because I have. So I just wanted to make sure you explained all of that because you can also get the book there too. You can download a chapter of the book from that website, so you all can sample it a little bit, get a taste of it. I came up with just a little something story to to for him to do that. So I came up with just a little something story to to try it out. And the thing that I found was that the method of storytelling elevated it into being something a lot more powerful and moving than it would have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. So when, when I just wrote it out on paper, it was really not anything special. And then when people received it in their inboxes, it became an entirely different experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. It, it, and it, it was part of the... Surprise and delight, I'm sure, uh, of how they de- how that was received and how that kind of revealed itself over the course of several emails. And then you've also done a novel, too, Revision. Talk about that, because that is a very traditional way of storytelling. It is a very traditional way of storytelling. You're completely right. Um, my novel is about a wiki where your edits come true, which is kind of trying to update <laughs> the classic <laughs> storytelling trope of the book where you write the thing or you read it and, and what you see comes true. So I've been on a bender for the last couple of years. I've been working in transmedia for, for what, 10 years now, possibly longer. And at a certain point, I I decided I wanted to refine my raw storytelling chops because I'm good at showy tricks but you want to have good fundamentals too it's it's like in basketball I guess doing doing your dribbling drills at a certain point you really have to be good at the basic building blocks of storytelling so I really wanted to focus for a while on basic core storytelling and maybe build a little bit of a credibility and a little bit of an audience that way that I can bring back into my transmedia work going forward and it's been it's been a learning process because I actually do have some bad habits from transmedia <laughs> that don't transfer to prose writing very well um, for example everything I write is really fast-paced uh, too fast for a novel because I'm used to having web-sized device of attention to tell a story in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a really great practice and experience for me, and I'm glad that I've been doing it. 
Well, it's had to stretch that muscle, right? To mm-hmm. how do you write for the medium? And you're, to your point, your medium was quick, fast-paced, uh, sparkly, very, very sparkly, as you talked about. And one of probably the most sparkly things you've done, or at least the one I'm aware of, is the Game of Thrones for HBO, where you created a transmedia campaign that focused on a series of sensory experiences. And uh, I'm sure many listeners out there were like, oh my gosh, yes, I remember that. That's the woman behind that. That's so cool. Um, so really it allowed fans to experience things in person and virtually talk about that whole campaign. Cause I think that is really kind of brings it all to life for us. It's definitely one of the most showy and widely known things that I've done. And it was really a pleasure to be able to work on this project. So it was, it was a marketing campaign. Let's be honest. It wasn't mm-hmm. purely out of art. And if you can go back, rewind your memory to before Game of Thrones first debuted, HBO was concerned that fans of the books wouldn't like the series. So it was our job as marketers to convince fans that HBO understood the property and they were going to get it right. So what we did was create uh, this series of of sensory experiences, like you say, where uh, there was this sort of influencer gift we had sent out, which were sent chests, um, where you could mix together three sort of little little bottles of aromatherapy oils to get the feeling of of a place, the smell of a particular place. So for the in, in at the crossroads, for example, those smells were, I believe, sort of a brandy and baking bread and <laughs> and oak floorboards to create that sort of scent where for the Dothraki Plains, they were something like, uh, you know, leather and grass and sweat to create a very different sort of sort of experience. And then we had a whole series of these. We had food trucks where recipes from the Game of Thrones mm-hmm. were served. We had uh, a sort of a, a, a virtual experience where you could stand watch on the wall and and look out to make sure that the wildlings weren't coming. And then if you spotted when you had to blow the horn into um, this, this whole tremendous series of things. And we weren't really telling a story in it because Game of Thrones is a very complicated thing to tell a story in and we didn't want to step on any of the things that the show might be doing. So instead, we tried to create the feeling that you had yourself been transported to Westeros, to this magical, fantastical kingdom. Well, I guess magical and fantastical are, are maybe not accurate. Maybe you should go with <laughs> dark and gritty. Yes. Given, given the way the show actually plays out. Uh, but but to feel like the place was real, like you could touch it. Mm-hmm. Smell it, really. <laughs> it was a, a surround sound, it's like what I like to call it. Almost like a surround sound experience. Um, that is one of the coolest things I think I've ever heard of. And as a PR person, as a marketer, <laughs> I'm like, oh, brilliant, brilliant stroke. I just love that because people can engage in so many ways. And truly today it is about engagement, right? People are looking for experience. Experiences. They're looking to have a strong brand connection to brands that they love. And Games of Thrones definitely is a, is a brand. So, um, I, I actually, I often think one of the reasons that we like stories as a, as a pastime, as a leisure activity, is because they give us a safe space to experience things and to feel emotions that we don't have any room for in our everyday life. It's just mm-hmm. a human thing to want to do that. 
Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to squeeze one more question in before we go to break. I know last month, along with many places you attended, you, you spoke at WorldCom 2016 in Kansas City. Uh, you addressed rooms full of people on topics like driverless cars, the impact of tech on society, the differences between a futurist and a sci-fi author, among many other things. Clearly, you're able to <clears throat> talk about and address many, many, many different topics. But I think one of the things that I find so interesting is that so much of what you do is set in the quote unquote future, but some of that, there's not a lot of data sometimes and research and the like to support what the future might hold. So how do you, how do you work with that? How do you work in a futuristic setting? Is it purely creative or do you spend a lot of time talking to people about the future? Talk, talk a little bit about that process. Well, we, we like to say that we can't tell the future, but I genuinely believe that everyone can tell the future at least a little bit. So if you were to knock a glass off the table, you would know exactly what would happen. It would spill, the, the glass might break. We do have the capacity to tell the future, sometimes with a high degree of accuracy. And if you're an early adopter, you kind of live a little bit more into the future than the, pe than the people around you. So I have this interesting dissonance between being in really tech-forward circles in, in my sort of marketing sphere with my colleagues, and then I come home to to my kids and, you know, PTA meetings and the other parents at school who are not living in that same sphere as me. And, and <laughs> I, I, I feel like I, I'm living not quite in the same time frame as, mm -hmm. as my, my community members. So a lot of what I'm doing isn't actually extrapolation. It's describing what I see happening around me right now that hasn't made it to everybody yet. So, you know, I, I have colleagues who have drones right now and who are doing all kinds of really intense things with technology. Um, and then the, the other thing actually that I do to, to tell the future is to remember that we're, we're human beings and everything we do with technology are the same human things we've always done. Mm. So mm -hmm. every time we invent some new platform, some new technology, we use it for pornography, we use it to make war with each other, and we use it to try and impress each other. Those are the basic human things <laughs> that we do, no matter what else is going on around us. And once you have that sort of core humanity in, in sight, then the rest of it falls into place pretty easily. Uh, I think I think uh, you're right on those three core things for sure, absolutely. And it is funny how so many things change and yet so many things remain the same. Um, uh, very intuitive of you, and and clearly you're far ahead of the rest of us. You do live in a quite a different world, Andrea. I'm convinced of it. So I think we'll just look to you to to tell us what the future holds. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear more from Andrea Phillips, and we're going to talk about Pokemon Go. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe. All right. Everybody stick around. We'll be back. Her Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Thanks to my producer, George, for sticking around for 10 years and for editing this anniversary show. And please join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. Yes. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors.
any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.